0: So, this is Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in the religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments is the word of the lord
1: morning everybody Amen. it's good to be us to be together around god's word and around his worship thank you everybody who's contributed to the service thank you aaron and the band for leading us and thank you jane and sophie as well um, for leading us into those prayers and ruth for all the work, um, we're just in those <clears throat> in the third part of our series on the Shema, and um, if you remember, the first Sunday we stopped a little bit at the understanding of why was this important for the people of Israel and what did it mean uh, for them to be commanded, and the uh, last Sunday we had John uh, Cordell. And um, he was talking about the, the contexts um, in which God uh, brings this commandment, and it's in the context of his love. And this morning, we're going to be thinking a little bit about the quality of our love uh, for God. Now, um, before, before I play uh, a little video, if if I was to ask you what do we mean by the word heart, I think there is, there is different, um, different understandings about the word heart. Um, We've got three phrases. I'm going to mention a few phrases in English, but just to give you context about what does it mean in different countries. I'm going to give you three phrases that we use in Albania, for example, that have to do with the word heart, which you don't use. So if if you want to be a hospitable family, you say uh, bread, salt and a white heart. the way that I refer to Ruth most of the time I don't call her sweetheart I just call her heart Um, another way that we say that if if we have got really shocked by a news that the heart has left me now let's forget about Albanian but let's talk about English If you, think, if you say you've got a change of heart, you think differently now. If you say she gave me her heart, she is in love with you. If you say she broke my heart, then she no longer is. If your heart was in the right place, you messed up but meant well. When our fr- friends speak from the bottom of their hearts, they're telling the truth. When my children don't say this, but when we hear children say, I cross my heart, they might be telling the truth. Sometimes we do not have the heart to tell someone the truth. If we take it to heart, we're listening well. If we know it by heart, we've remembered it well. If you have a heart of gold, you're kind. If you have no heart, you're mean.
2: If your team lost heart, they've just given up. If they've showed heart, they've rallied. When you wear your heart on
1: your sleeve, you are transparent. When you put your heart into it, you are passion and that's obvious. The lion hearted are courageous, while the chicken hearted are spineless. Sometimes we're cold hearted and other times light hearted. We work half heartedly on Monday and whole before a deadline. We can be callously heart hearted and cowardly faint hearted. I don't know if you've been in cities, in some European cities, when they say, I heart this city.
2: So, what does the word heart really
1: need defining? When Christ was asked, what is the greatest commandment, his answer showed that the true spirituality begins with loving the Lord your God with all your heart. We're going to be um, looking at a video from the Bible Project and just understand a little bit the
2: meaning of the word heart now. So, Anna, if you could play it for us, it would be great. For thousands of years, every
3: morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and with all of your strength. We are going to look at the fourth key word in this prayer, heart, which in Hebrew is sometimes pronounced levav or more often in a shorter form lev. Now, different cultures throughout history have had different conceptions of how the human body works. And this is also true of the ancient Israelite writers of the Bible. They knew that the heart was an organ in the chest that sustains life. There is mention of a heart attack in the Bible, Naval, whose heart died inside of him and he became like stone. But the biblical authors talk about the heart in many other ways that might seem strange to modern readers. And that is because these Israelites had no concept of the brain or any word for it. They imagine that all of a human's intellectual activity takes place in the heart. For example, you know with your heart in the Bible. Your heart is where you understand and make connections. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom dwells in the heart. And your heart is what you use to discern between truth and error, like Solomon did when he was king. So the heart is where you think and make sense of the world, and it's where you do more. In the Bible, the heart is where you feel emotions. You feel pain in your heart, like Hannah did when she couldn't have any children. In fact, the phrase a broken heart comes from ancient biblical Hebrew. You also experience fear in your heart. Your heart can melt or be distressed. Your heart can even be depressed. But then on the flip side, your heart is where you experience joy. In Hebrew, to be happy is to be good of heart or to have a heart of joy. So the heart is the generator of physical life. It is also the center of your intellectual and emotional life, and there is more. In biblical Hebrew, the heart is where you make choices motivated by your desires. So David had it in his heart to build a temple for God. Your heart is where your affections are centered. They are called the desires of your heart. And if you really want something and go after it, it is like what Nathan said to David, Whatever's in your heart, go and do it. So then, in the Bible, the heart is the center of all parts of human existence, as in the well-known Proverb, guard your heart because from it flows your whole life. Now, the prophet Jeremiah believed that the human heart was fundamentally broken. He said, the heart of a human is deceitful above all, irreversibly sick. Who can even understand it? He had watched a whole generation turn away from God. They started sacrificing their children as if that were a good thing. So this is why in the imagination of the Hebrew prophets, the only hope for humanity is the total renewal of the human heart. Moses predicted that if Israel was ever going to love their God, their heart would need to be circumcised, which is a very vivid and surprising metaphor about removing evil and stubbornness from the human heart. David, after he committed murder and adultery, pleads with God to create in me a pure heart. The prophet Ezekiel hoped for a day when God would remove the heart of stone and give his people a new heart of soft flesh, which is very similar to Jeremiah's hope that God would write the commands of the Torah on the hearts of his people. And That brings us all the way back to the Shema. Every day, God's people are called to devote to God their whole body and mind, their feelings and their desires, their future and their failures. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart.
1: I, I hope you found that helpful. And um, if we look into that context in the light of what we're doing here through Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four, it's that before God requires his people to love him, he tells them who they are. Do you remember that, that comparison that I did that from, from Jacob, Jeter, they've become Israel? the ones who have conquered, he has transformed them. And how us as his people are the center of his creative and redemption plan, redemptive plan, and how God is so close to his people, and yet so far above us is requiring an exclusive relationship, is a God who is a God of great, integrity, and character. So what does it mean in real money to love God with all our hearts in the 21st century? What does it mean to love God with all our heart in the midst of a pandemic? What does it mean to love God with all our hearts? in the things
2: that are visible and the things that are subtle or secret. So when we come to the Shema, when we come to this
1: summoning of God's people to hear so we can have that heart of obedience, we come to check the quality of our love for Him. And one of the ways that we check the quality of our, heart, of our love for him is by checking our hearts. One of the trembling questions that my mentor
2: asks me is, how is your heart? And the expectation there is to be honest.
1: So I dare ask you the same question. How is your heart today? Because if we know here from the scriptures is that the heart is the center of all our parts of the human existence. Proverbs 4.23 reminds us that it's
2: the wellspring of life. And when I ask you the question, and when I ask myself the question, how is my
1: heart? This is not an excuse for me to get cheeky and to get um, starting guilt trips on myself and on you, but this is an opportunity for us, people who've been summoned by God to respond in obedience
2: to the calling of his people. So, how is your heart?
1: If your heart and my heart is the center of all the parts of my human existence, then this heart needs to be the core piece that I respond to the love of this God. And that's why the summoning is, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart because we know very well what it means, half heart or a little bit of heart. So the the summoning, the calling here is to, to devote to God everything. The quality of our love, the quality of our love from God that comes from our heart, the heart is not only the wellspring of life, but it's also the center of our Christian faith. The word heart is the most used heart in the Bible. We've got it probably around a thousand times. I think the word heart, as we said it from our examples, is also the the word that is
2: misused. But I think also the word heart is the appropriate
1: word for us to be taking on board. So how is your heart this morning if it's the wellspring of your life? And as I've been preparing for this, I, I, I could not stop myself by going to the Psalms. A famous Psalm is Psalm 139. The psalmist is there, and he, he, I've just removed the bookmark because I, I was trying to get my notes. Um, Psalm 139, he says, Search me. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down, you know every thought went far away. And then it goes on. You know what I'm going to say, you know what I'm going to stop, when I'm going to rest, you know uh, when I'm going to go forward and when I'm going to retrieve. And then the ending of the Psalm 139 is, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out in me, sorry, point out anything in me that offends you. This is from the New Living Translation, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. If we go to back to Jesus in the New Testament, he's got something to say about the heart. And he, he brings that kind of parallelism that the heart is equal with a treasure Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. And as the video reminded us, Jeremiah has got a very big vision about the heart. He says, the heart is sick of all things. It needs needs rescuing. It needs restoring. It needs new life. And that's why he comes up with this great, great promise that when the new
2: covenant comes into the place, God is going to give his people a new heart. So how is your heart today in response
1: to loving God? What does it mean for us? to love God with all our hearts, with all our hearts, with my heart in the 21st century. And as we, as we come out of the pandemic, I just feel this morning that I want to affirm you Cairns wrote, I want to affirm you as individuals that through the difficult years, well, it's almost two years, but through the difficult months You have shown that you love God
2: with all your heart and God bless you for that. What does it mean for us as we move
1: on? What are the things that we look for to check that we are loving God with all our hearts? But if the heart is the wellspring of life, then it means where are we sourcing this wellspring? Where is it sourced? And the Bible talks a little bit about the, the 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 gatekeepers. When I was called, summoned to go to the navy, I was really, really disappointed with God that He had called me to do the national service. I didn't want to go. I postponed it with two years of ministry. I didn't. I didn't want to go. I was miserable when they called me. And they they took us on a bus, they took us to the headquarters, they shaved our heads, put us on another bus and took us straight to a base which was remote. And it was so remote, that where we were based with the main gate was five kilometers walk. So even if you had people friends, I know it was in my city, even if you had people friends who wanted to come and visit, you needed probably half an hour walk by the time you receive the phone call that somebody is at the gate there was no way that the guys who were on guard in the gate was going to let my friends come and see me or drive through the base and come and see me they had to stop they had to be vetted they had to answer all the right questions and then they would say okay we'll let him know and whenever he comes he comes to see you and when it comes to the heart, these are the things that probably serve as, as those gatekeepers, those postmen, or people who are in post. Just around. and it's 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 very interesting how the whole shema is is trying to be very visual for the people of Israel when it's given to them and what they're supposed to be doing with them. We're gonna look at it next time, when we, next Sunday. But, but what are the things that are nurturing? What are the things that are preserving? What are the things that are protecting us to have our hearts full for God to love? So you look at the scriptures and there are three things That I would say serve as those gatekeepers.
2: One is the eyes, two is the ears, and three is the mouth. We live in a day and age that we are bombarded with information.
1: When we used to work with CEF we used to sing a song or oh, be careful little eye what you see, or oh, be careful little ear what you hear,
2: or oh, be careful little mouth what you say. And, he, and he, I, it, it
1: was full of different um, things to be doing or to reminding to be careful. And in this day and age when we are bombarded with information how are we using our eyes and our ears and our mouth to be those gatekeepers of what comes
2: into our hearts. When it comes to the When it comes to the eyes, is
1: Christ the Lord over my eyes? In whatever I see. We've got a lot of distractions. I spend my life doing, as I said two Sundays ago, being distracted by stupid, unnecessary things on my phone. Time which I can use doing other things. Ears, do I need to use and hear the same news of the day four times? The same news. And when it comes to ears as well, we need to be very careful here because sometimes with ears we also hear
2: lies about ourselves and about our relationship with God. And is Christ Lord over our ears, mouth?
1: Matthew fifteen eighteen, Jesus is talking to people, and he says, "Whatever is in your heart comes in your mouth, comes out of your mouth." Is Christ Lord? Over my mouth, mouth. and if these three things are the kind of the 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 people, not the people, the the things that help me to check whether my heart is in the right direction towards God with my love for Him, then what do I do? if I think that that's not the case. And once again, I wanted to encourage you today, Can's you as individuals, the greatest encouragement that we have is that Christ is the only person who has fulfilled and lived out the Shema. So we've got a great example. But not only that, what we've got in Christ is also that He has died on the cross and He has been resurrected to not only fulfill the text right, living that life, but also He has died on the cross for every place that you have not fulfilled to love God with all your heart. He sorted that. Don't let the devil throw that against you. Christ has dealt with that. Hallelujah. But the beauty of the life that we've got in Jesus is not that Christ has not only died for our failures, but Christ has died for our victories. He has died so you and I today can say, God, I want to love you with all my heart, and I know that you can give me that strength. I know that you can give me that help. I look up onto the hills. Where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, God. So as we dwell on this, as we want to, to, to really memorize this and say this, over and over ourselves, uh, we want to love God with all our hearts. Let's not lose sight
2: that God is not expecting us to do this on our own strength. He's not. Jesus is in your side. Jesus is in on, on
1: your side. And he wants you to fulfill like he did. That you love him with all your heart today and in the coming days. So as I've been preparing this, um, I've been thinking, well, what does it mean for me as a church leader? And I want to finish this because this has been on my mind all week and saying, Lord, you know, I love you, but I fall short miserably of doing that. And I know that Christ has died for me. And one of the things that I want to share with you today is that throughout the whole time that I've been praying and thinking, and preparing about this, I cannot avoid coming to the story of Peter. Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know me? Yes, I do. Well, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Well, Lord, why are you asking? Yes, I do. Well, feed my lambs. And three times. I love how Peter works in sets of three till he gets it. Maybe I need more than sets of three. But as I, as I say this, I truly believe that perhaps, not perhaps, there's no perhaps in, if I say truly believe. But that there is that sense that the way that I show my love for God in this setup is by bringing you guys to the words and to the prayer and to the prophetic and to the things that are really to do with God's heart for his people. So we have to have this agreement in the sense that I need to have that permission, I need to have your prayer support for that. And in one sense, this is something that God has called us together as a church. These are the promises that we keep reminding ourselves, that we make with one
2: another, that we commit to love God. Let's pray. So
1: here we are, Father God, in the presence of our Saviour, knowing that the Lord Jesus died for all our short fallings. He died for our victory to love you with all our hearts.
2: And Lord, from the bottom of our hearts today, we say that we love you. We love you. Would you show us this week areas of our life where we revisit our love for you? Would you saturate us this week with your love
1: so that we respond well to our love for you? Lord, we love you because you first loved us.
2: Be glorified, Lord, in our lives. We love you, Lord. You know you do. We do. Amen.